0: Praise the name of the Lord. Go ahead and lift up praise to the Lord this morning. Use your voice to praise him. Use your hands to applaud him. Let the light of his love shine to him from your heart. We praise you this morning, Lord, and we thank you for this day which you have made. Well, good morning, everyone, and it is good to see you here, PCF. PCF. And guests, welcome. I have a special guest, and I'm going to announce her because I'm just so delighted. The total surprise, and she's like this. She would do this. I want to introduce you to our dear friend, Pastora Maria Garzon, right here in the front row. This lovely woman. She and her husband, Carlos, are longtime friends of ours. We served together at the church on the way in Van Nuys, La Iglesia en el Camino. And uh, they um, have continued to serve in the ministry as they have for many years in many nations, and they're in Texas now, and in fact, Maria Inez serves with our Foursquare cabinet, which is an esteemed body that helps uh, our Foursquare board in important decisions, not least of which was determining candidates for our new president, which, by the way, we're a Foursquare church, and we have candidates for a new Foursquare international president, so... If you're interested in that, uh, come talk to me. I'll tell you more, but let's continue to be praying that the Lord would govern over the process by which our leaders are determined, and I appreciate your prayers to that end. Welcome this morning, Marina. So glad to have you with us. Well, if you would, I'd ask if you'll take your bulletin, and I've got a couple of announcements for you just to go over. First of all... uh, The last Friday of this month, as every month, we have prayer and fasting. That'll be Friday, March 29th. And in fact, we are in the midst of not only fasting that Friday, but we're in the midst of a 40-day fast. As we observe the classic season of Lent, a period of repentance, a period of solemn consecration of our lives, as we anticipate the celebration of resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday, we're using this time, as the Lord has prompted us, to fast and pray and seek more of the Lord, more of his word, more of his will, more of his spirit, more of his cleansing and purification in our lives. And in fact, as you know, 2019 is a year of fruitfulness for us here at PCF. That is what the Lord has said to us. And so we believe that this Lenten season is a time of pruning through our fast to bring forth more fruitfulness. So I encourage you however you're participating in the fast, whether you're doing something daily or maybe one meal a day or maybe one day a week or however it is that the Lord has prompted you and you've covenanted to do that, if you are participating in it, and I encourage every member and I adjure every member to participate in this. It's part of our membership. It's part of our community. It's part of our collective commitment to the Lord in this season. Whatever it is, however it is, Uh, May the Lord strengthen and grace you in that, and remember to include prayer in your fast because it's not just fasting, but prayer to which we have committed ourselves, and of course, we pray every week on Wednesday nights, and we will do that once again here at 7.30 p.m. It's been a really vital time in recent weeks. We've had some exciting messages. We've had some really dynamic expression of prayer. We've had some great new faces, and uh, people who have joined us, neighbors in the community, you may have been around yesterday and saw that there is a Hispanic church with, which, with whom we partnered yesterday in their baptisms. Uh, they utilized our baptistry and patio uh, with our blessings, and it was a delight. Um, and so we, we have great... Um, connections that the Lord is helping us make. I want to encourage you once again, if you're able to, if it's been a while and you haven't come to Wednesday night prayer and and you're not uh, otherwise obligated, please come and join us. And I think you'll find it very meaningful. If you do have a work commitment or distance keeps you away, just once again, a reminder, lift up some prayer during that time and we'll be together in the spirit in our prayer. Speaking of drawing together, uh, Saturday, March 3rd, we'll draw together our ministry team, pastoral team. For a time, just to talk about the remainder of the year, our planning, have some fellowship together, um, unify on one page. So ministry team meeting, Saturday, March 30th. That'll be from 10 a.m. to 12 in the social hall. And speaking of gathering together, an exciting event coming up in May, Saturday, May 18th from 9.30 a.m., to noon, we will have a women's gathering here together. That's the name of the gathering, together. And it takes as its spiritual theme, Psalm one, which describes the blessing when the brethren of Christ dwell together in, u- in unity. Well, that's true of the sorority of Christ too. (laughs) When sisters dwell together in unity, there is blessing and the presence of God. So I encourage you to uh, keep your eye out for more information on that. You can talk to my wife, Hazel, or Pastor Vanita about uh, that as well. There is nothing like the unity that God affords us in his body. One of the great blessings of resurrection life in Jesus Christ is not only that we get to be the children of God, which is what God uh, has granted to us through salvation, but also that we get to be brothers and sisters together. And even as we've said, the unity of that is a great blessing. But another reality is that in living life together, in lifting one another up in prayer, in sharing times of worship and times of study together, and coming to love one another as brothers and sisters, It also means that when one of us passes, we feel the passing all that much more. And it is likely that many in the room have already heard this, but I want to make sure that you're aware of the passing of one of our dearly beloved brothers here at PCF just in the last uh, day or so. If you have not heard already, uh, I regret to be the one to share with you uh, this news. But uh, Dr. Alan Comia, Uh, passed away suddenly and unexpectedly, uh, either Friday evening or Saturday morning, in his home. And he had been apparently feeling somewhat under the weather that week, but did not uh, obviously expect that it was anything grave. Um, And yet, uh, he did pass away. The authorities, we don't know exactly the cause, but the authorities indicated no sign of foul play, and it appears to be of natural causes. So I uh, would ask if you'd be praying for his family. He was a young man. His birthday actually is, I believe, March 24th. Uh, He would have been turning 43. So uh, it's very, very sudden and unexpected, and that is a very difficult thing to process, to be sure. However, though we are caught off guard by this, it's worth remembering that the Lord isn't. And the Lord knows the days and hours of our lives to a degree that none of us do. What we can rejoice in is that while we mourn the passing of our brother and we will miss him dearly, we also have the eternal assurance that he is whole. He is at peace in the Lord, with the Lord, and through the Lord, we will see him again. May that bring you comfort. And please do continue to keep his family in prayer and one another in prayer because we are his family in the spirit, to be sure. Uh, We'll keep you informed uh, as information comes in about viewings and memorials and so forth as the family advises us. It is uh, one of the uh, most familiar phrases at a time like that to say, rest in peace. And we know that our brother does rest in the peace of the Lord. I want to talk with you today as we turn to the teaching of the scriptures about the peace of the Lord. And it seems to me fitting that in a moment like this, that would be our subject. Because life is full of unexpected eventualities. It bears mentioning that none of us knows when our last morning dawns. None of us knows when our last hour comes. The Lord knows, but we don't. And so we are to make the most of the time that is given to us. And something else to remember is we never know the last time we see someone else. We never know when the goodbye that we say one day is the last day. All of this makes us soberly aware of the preciousness of our lives, the importance of the time, and the treasure of God's peace. Because if you look at the world around us, you can sense very much the world in pieces, in disarray. In fact, As we are praying and praying for peace, I pray that you would join me in praying for the peace of New Zealand. It has no doubt not escaped your attention that there were horrific acts there in this past week. We ask God's blessing upon that nation, and we pray for God's peace on people. But the reality is our world doesn't offer us, that is, the natural world of human beings and the worldly system, doesn't offer us peace that lasts, peace that protects, peace that endures. But the Word of God, the very person of God, does. And so, as we turn to the scriptures today, I pray that the Lord would give us the peace that surpasses all understanding and the wisdom to know what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Amen. By the way, I just noticed up there on the screen, PSOM, I forgot an announcement, Uh, and it's probably an indicator of where my head is, because you may have heard it in my voice. I'm a little bit under the weather, and uh, thank you for bringing it back up, guys. I've decided to um, put a hiatus on my class for today. So rather than Christian leadership meeting at 2 p.m., Pastor Chris, uh, very kindly, has agreed to do a double session. So if you're taking Christian discipleship with Pastor Chris, you'll start at two today and you'll go from two to six. And we will make up my class on a later date. So no Christian leadership today in PSOM, but uh, a double session of Christian discipleship. Did you get that? Okay. If not, Pastor Chris will set you straight when you go up there. Well, um, I've provided for you in your outline today or rather in your bulletin today an outline and I must say as I preached this sermon in the first service it dawned on me that I fell so much in love with all these scriptures that as I was studying and preparing that I packed quite a quite a meaty message here just full of of sermon material so we better get to it huh? let's get right into it Um, If you can bring up my slides for me, I'm going to move into part uh, six of our series on the fruit of the spirit. Manifestations of God's love in our lives that come not through our effort, but rather, that is to say, not through our effort to produce fruit, but rather our commitment to abide in him. Jesus said, abide in me and you will produce much fruit. So our focus is is on abiding in God and inviting His Word and His Spirit to invite in abide in us. And His Spirit brings forth fruitfulness. And part of that fruitfulness is peace. Peace, which is not just the absence of conflict, but is the presence of wholeness. And so as we look at peace throughout the scriptures today, I'm going to be um, hopefully augmenting or expanding, enriching our notion of peace out of the scriptures. or so that is to say that the scriptures and the Lord will be doing that for us. First of all, there's a sort of principle as we study concepts and words in the scripture. One of them that I like to apply is to find the same concept in both the original Testament. We call it the Old Testament, but we should never get the idea that means that it's old and used up or old and done with, but rather it's foundational. And everything of the New Testament continues to have incredible symbolic and actual relevance in light of the New Testament. And indeed, the New Testament, the spirit and values of the New Testament are evident in that original Testament. So in the Hebrew Bible, the word for peace is shalom. You know, this weekend, all over the world, in gatherings like this, people are saying Peace be with you. Will you turn to the person next to you and just say that and mean it? Peace be with you. It's a classic greeting from the ancient Middle Eastern world. It's common throughout the world, and it's contemporary even today. But it is, in fact, what Jesus Christ himself says to his people, his followers. Peace be with you. But, you know, the covenant people of God make a similar greeting because in fact this is where that greeting of Jesus comes from the Sabbath greeting of Shalom Shabbat Shalom the peace of the Sabbath to you and this word Shalom payapa in Tagalog it makes me want to say papaya I guess this is this must be because I'm fasting I look at payapa I think papaya give me a piece of papaya and the papaya of peace Payapa. I, now forever, I'm going to probably say papaya every time I mean to say papaya. Papaya to you. <laughs> Shalom, as I said, is a word that incorporates so much more than we might immediately associate with just a simple word piece. The first time it shows up, is in Genesis chapter 15. A chapter we'll look at in a little bit more detail at the end of this message. But that is a moment when Abraham and God are entering into covenant together. In fact, God invites Abraham into this covenant. And part of the promise of that covenant that God speaks to Abraham is this, that you, Abraham, will go to your fathers in peace. You'll live to a ripe old age, and when you die, you'll enter into a kingdom of peace. You'll be gathered to your ancestors in, the, in the, what we came to be called the bosom of Abraham, in the celestial embrace of the family of God. You will have shalom, peace. Now, when I say the word peace, one of the first things that people would typically think of is peace from war freedom from conflict, conflict between nations, conflict between groups of people or even individuals. And in fact, shalom most certainly does mean that. But as I said, there's so much more that it means as well. The completeness of shalom can even be expressed numerically. It can be used to describe completing the number of something or by extension to describe prosperity. Soundness of body. When we think of a body that has all of its limbs and all of its material, that is a body that is sound and and whole. It is in one piece, so to speak. And so peace is health and welfare. Quiet, tranquility, contentment. You know, I talked about how in the world of human beings, We don't often find peace. I used to live in New York City. If you go to Times Square, it's one of the most active places on earth. You can go to busy places like that in many cities around the world. You can experience a lot of things there, but one thing I think most people wouldn't say is they wouldn't say they find peace. And in fact, if you go downtown and you're on Wall Street, you might be trying to get a piece of the action, but you won't experience probably an atmosphere of peace. But go to the Grand Canyon. Go to the beach at dawn. Go to the mountains at dusk. Go into the desert or the meadows and just sit and experience the peace of God's creation. That's something of the Lord at work in our natural world. It reflects how God, who is the God of peace, knows how to infuse peace into the atmosphere of His creation. And He also knows how to infuse that peace into you and I and between us in friendship, in covenant agreement. All of these are aspects of peace that provide to us the notion of shalom, of peace, as a total integration. I like to think of puzzle pieces. You ever do a jigsaw puzzle? You open up that box and you see all of those tiny pieces in there, especially if it's a really involved one. You look at it and you think, "Wow, well, I'm never going to be able to put all of these together. And as you go through it, you may experience frustration. You may have the persuasion, there's no way that piece is in this box. (laughs) Then you get to the end and lo and behold, a piece that you had tried to fit into four other different places and maybe it shows the sign of you chewing and gnawing and cutting, trying to fit it in. But just a little twist to the right, a little turn to the left and all of a sudden, the space becomes apparent. The piece falls into place and the picture that was imprinted by the creator is fully revealed. Maybe you and I can relate to that in our lives. You ever have a morning where you wake up and it feels like opening the lid to that box? It feels like your life is in pieces. Or maybe you've got corners in place. Maybe you've got some chunks kind of floating around that seem to be coming together, but you wonder, where is that piece? And where is this piece ever going to fit? And I'm sure this piece is missing. But the Lord knows. He knows where every piece belongs. He knows exactly how to fit it in and when it's supposed to be placed. He knows about the pieces of your life, of our church, of our city, of our world. And if you and I will put the pieces of our lives into his hand, he will bring peace as he puts them together according to his will. That's the peace of God. That is what the New Testament calls irene, the Greek word for peace. But interestingly enough, both in the English translation and in the Magandam Balita, the Tagalog translation, you'll find that very often the word for peace is translated as or included with this phrase for blessing. That's because peace is not just an experience. It's not just a phenomena of what God produces. It's also the action of God blessing. In fact, that greeting, peace be with you, it's intended as a blessing. It is conveying blessing to the person who is being addressed. The blessing of God is is peace. And in fact, the very first time that "irene," which is the word that Paul uses in Galatians 5 when he's describing the fruit of the Spirit, the first time it shows up in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 13. Probably you're familiar with the passage. It's where Jesus is sending out his disciples. They're going to be his witnesses in the world. He's sending them as messengers of the gospel of peace. More on that in just a moment. But as he does so, he says, I want you to depend on the Lord. I'm paraphrasing now, but this is the thrust of it. Depend on the Lord to connect you with people who will provide for you, who will put you up in their homes, who will feed you so that you can go and carry this message. And as you do that, if their house is worthy, you'll bless it with the blessing of peace. Now, he also goes on to say, if they're not worthy, you'll withhold the blessing. This is not about some stinginess on the part of God manifest through the message of Jesus, but rather a recognition of this reality. God's full blessing is only going to be extended to those who are fully ready to receive God for who he is and what he has to say. In other words, by receiving the Lord, we receive his blessing. By rejecting the Lord, putting up boundaries or some kind of buffer, we separate ourselves from the blessing of His peace. God wants to bring that blessing not only into our lives and homes and family, but through us into the world around us. Once again, in the New Testament, Irene, the Greek word for peace and its various forms, also means national peace. Peace from warfare. But it it, it goes even further. It conveys a state of tranquility in the nation. Not only is there an absence of war, but there is a concord with surrounding neighbors. There is a sense of harmony on the world scene. And within the nation itself, there's balance. There's economic balance. There's wise and righteous leadership. There is uh, uh, equitability in society. And there is Peace on the streets, in the neighborhoods. There's interpersonal peace, harmony between people, security and safety, prosperity. All of this are facets of the peace of Jesus Christ himself, the peace of the Messiah. And, of course, the greatest peace that Jesus conveys to us is gospel peace, the peace of salvation. I mentioned that we would talk about the gospel as it's referred to at various points in the scripture, the gospel of peace. Why is it that this message of good news is considered a message of peace? Well, that's because the good news is that though we were enemies of God, God has made peace with us. In fact, I think one of the reasons why the gospel message is doesn't often have as much strength in our presentation of it to the world around us in contemporary society is because many times we fail to preface that good news with the bad news. The bad news is you and I were born into a situation in which we were at odds with God and all of us have fed in to that enmity through our own sin. If that reality is not understood, there's not much good that people will hear in the notion that God loves them. People have the, uh, the idea that if there is a God at all, he's sort of obligated to love them. Well, of course, if you believe in that sort of thing, then of course he loves me. We as a society have largely lost the recognition that God is not only loving but righteous. And that there is something separating us from God in our natural state that must be answered if we are going to have peace with him. And that only God could answer it. Once people begin to realize the reality of that circumstance, then the message that God loves anyway and reaches out to find us in our sin and make peace with us, then it can really be understood as not only good news, but the greatest news, the greatest news of salvation and news that affords us the assurance of eternal peace, which is not just the idea of a quiet place for your body to rest. If you go to Forest Lawn, it's a very very peaceful kind of environment, but rest in peace is really about resurrection. It is about the assurance that you and I have an eternal hope and an eternal home beyond this present circumstance. And that is peace. And it can only come through right relationship with God. Therefore, peace is a message which actually produces repentance. Because peace says... Recompense has been made. In the Greek, in fact, this term for peace actually includes the idea of a debt being paid. There was something outstanding and it has been settled, and that brings peace. When you and I know that our sin debt has been settled, we will be much more ready to repent and receive the righteousness of God that takes us from being at odds with Him to being at peace with him and in ourselves and being able then to produce the peace of God through ourselves in the world by the action of the Holy Spirit. Peace is a manifold fruit of the Holy Spirit. That is to say, peace itself has various different ways in which we see it at work in our world. And one of these things that I've mentioned remains very real Though I've said that the absence of conflict is not the totality of peace, it is important to recognize that God promises peace not just to his people, but ultimately God is saying, I'm going to bring peace to the world. However, as soon as I say that, a verse may come to your mind. You can turn to the person next to you and say, that's exactly the verse that came to my mind. (laughs) If it wasn't true, it's okay. You said it because I told you to, so... Once again, in Matthew 10, Jesus makes a rather astonishing statement. We're familiar with Jesus being called the Prince of Peace. Sister Hazel mentioned that in her prayer this morning. Yet Jesus said, don't suppose that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came to bring a sword. I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, family members at enmity with each other. He's quoting the Old Testament prophet Micah, Micah chapter seven, when he says that. Why on earth does Jesus make this claim? Jesus is making something clear. He's saying, I came to speak the truth. When he says, I came to bring a sword, he's making reference to a symbol of the scriptures that is used in the scriptures over and over. The word of God is active and alive, sharper than any two edged sword, dividing and penetrating and piercing so that the truth is may be seen and known and told. Jesus says when he in Revelation describes coming to the earth and making judgment that he would come and fight against those who were his enemies with the sword of his mouth. The sword is a depiction of the honest, true word of God. And what Jesus is saying is when that word is spoken... Don't expect that everybody's going to respond positively to it. Don't expect that that means that everybody is chummy and just gets along just fine. In fact, often the greatest opposition is going to occur in your own household, in your own home, on your own street. Amen. And Jesus is saying, be prepared for that. He's not saying, stir it up or seek it out. What he's saying is, speak the truth. Speak the truth in love, yes, yes. But don't expect that that means that everything will be hunky-dory. Therefore, peace, as we're talking about it, is not the total absence of challenge or opposition or even the presence of complete and total agreement at all points at all times. The peace that we're talking about has to include the reality of the polarizing word of God. Our commitment must be to speak the truth. When you but first when receive your that, PTZ Optics
1: SDI camera, the first the thing you should do is so read the included opposing, manual. Inside your box, itself. you will find a Look camera, a manual, quoting. the power He's supply, a remote a, a control, two, two AAA hat. batteries, you know and a serial connection cable used for joystick controllers. Once you have read the manual, it is helpful to select the video resolution and frame rate you would like to use with your camera. The camera's resolution is set by a yellow dial on the back of the, of the interface board of the camera. You can reference the, the available God frame rates in your manual away, or on a table printed on the bottom of your camera. Listen, Note, the default says, dial setting is 0, which is 1080p at 60 project, frames justly. per second. Is this is, is ideal for sports, but many may want to consider using setting 6 for 1080p at 30 frames a second, for the classic natural video look depending on your application. Once you've set up your resolution dial, you can turn on your PTZ Optics camera. If you have a network switch that can provide POE power over Ethernet, you will not need to use the included power supply. Note, only PTZ optics, optics, SDI and NDI cameras support POE power. These cameras support power over Ethernet 802.3AF. The camera via POE can consume 12 to 13 watts, but at longer cable runs can require up to 15 watts to accommodate poor voltage drop. When you are first getting set up, it is helpful to connect your camera to an HDMI monitor, but you can also use the SDI output to view video from your camera as as well. Once your camera is powered on and connected to the network, network, you should determine whether you will use a dynamic or a static IP address. Each camera can have an IP IP address on your network which is used to control the camera with your computer, smartphone, or IP connected joystick controller. This IP address is also used to stream video over your network and much more. We highly suggest assigning your camera a static IP address for long-term use. A dynamic IP address can change periodically, making it difficult to manage in the long term. We suggest setting up a static IP address with sequential IP address settings for tidy management of multiple cameras. Note, for most networks, in order to connect to the camera, you must be in the same subnet of the LAN. For example, 192.168.1.123.
0: You're going to have trouble in the world, says Jesus, but don't be discouraged by that. I've overcome the world. This is the absence of conflict that God is talking about. It's not the absence of challenge, but it's saying none of those challenges can invade your place of peace in the truth of God's word, which provides to you the essence of his wholeness, the essence of God's wholeness, which puts you and I together together in his peace. Proverbs twelve twenty says that deceit is in the heart of those who plan evil, but those who promote peace have joy. So once again, the word of God calls us to be people who make peace. And in fact, what God promises is, if you take pleasure... In God, he will be pleased with you and he will put your enemies at peace with you. God is able to turn those who are turned against you towards you if that is what is needed for his will to be carried out. The Lord blesses his people with peace. So, as Paul says in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, if we have the peace of God, we don't need to worry about anyone else defending us. We don't need to defend ourselves. Because God is our defender and God is our peace. So we turn from evil and do good. We seek peace and pursue it and make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification in the word of God. In fact, elsewhere in Romans, Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Hebrews 12, 14 has basically the same message. In other words, you can't control if people are going to try and pick a fight with you, but you can control how you live, how you respond, how you see things, and the attitude of peace that you cultivate in the Lord. So as much as you are able to, you seek peace. How can you do that? Peter says to the church, these are the ways. Don't repay evil with evil. When someone insults you, don't insult them back. Instead, give them a blessing. Give them good instead of evil. And in this way, you'll inherit a blessing. That's what it means when it says turn from evil to good. That's what seeking peace is. Seeking peace is not denying the truth. It is continuing to bless and be a blessing by and in the truth, no matter what people give to you. Jesus said, there surely is a blessing for people like this. They are the peacemakers and they will be called the children of God. Peacemakers who sow in peace, James said, will reap a harvest of righteousness. I love how Eugene Peterson translates 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 in the message. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you, Holy and whole Put you together Spirit, soul and body And keep you fit For the coming of our master Jesus Christ Hallelujah God puts all of our pieces together His peace is the essence of wholeness Because it is the blessing of God And the blessing of God comes When he is present Luke chapter two fourteen, Jesus is born into the world And his birth is announced with peace to the world. Peace on earth. And Luke 24, Jesus' resurrection, he appears to the disciples and says, peace to you. The blessing of God announces his presence. His presence, which for those of us who are at peace with him is a glorious thing. Imagine this. If you're not at peace with God, the presence of God does not bring blessing, but judgment. But if you are in covenant with God, then God's covenant with you is my presence to you is blessing, right? And so in that blessing, the Lord intends to bless the entire world. I've mentioned that in Isaiah chapter 2, the reality of a world without war is promised by God. That is coming. Isaiah, the prophet of God says that there will be this time in the age to come When conflict between nations will actually be over. Swords will be beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Do you notice that? The weapons of war will become the implements of fruitfulness. Do you see that? God's only ever always been about producing harvest upon harvest of fruitfulness. That's what God is dedicated to. And in that age, nation will not take up sword against nation. They won't train for war anymore. So what is it that we are called to do? God, through his word, calls the people to, in this day and age, walk in the light of that day and age. In other words, even though we still live in a world of war and rumors of war, we are to be people who are living according to the truth of the age to come and of the peace of God when his kingdom rules and reigns. I'm going to move quickly through these uh, uh, passages. You have this handout in your bulletin that you can use during the week. There's probably not much likelihood that you're going to be able to absorb everything that I'm going to say in the next few minutes because it's a lot of material. But I want to just touch on it with this assurance that you'll go home and you'll look more deeply at these things and pray and meditate on them and allow each one of the seeds of God's word that's listed here to bring forth a little bit of the fruit of peace into your life this week if you'll do that just wave this at me See, yeah I'm going to look more at this that's also your ticket out see you do that then I say okay I don't have to go on so but I am going to move through this the absence of conflict in our lives is rest and restoration it's It's exemplified in the Sabbath of God. Repentance and revival, the gospel message of peace. And renewal and recreation, the age of peace. Do you see this? In other words, the God who was and is and is to to come, the God of yesterday, today, and forever, is in each one of those arenas of time, if you will, expressing peace. Peace from the beginning in the founding of creation with the Sabbath day of rest, the seventh day peace in this moment, this age in which the gospel message is declared, and peace forever to come in the age that awaits us. So in Exodus 20, you'll see the description that not only is the Sabbath day a day of rest, it's a day of blessing where God blesses his people with holiness and wholeness. There's a wonderful song in the musical Fiddler on the Roof that I'm not going to play for you because I'm going to I'm going to save on time, but if you go online and look at the Sabbath prayer song, there's beautiful lyrics in there that come out of the Old Testament scriptures that describe how every week the covenant people of God would speak blessing of God over their family and home and their neighborhood. May we be people like that, constantly speaking the blessings of God's word and extending that blessing. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, said, come to me if you're weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. If that's you today or you have those days, remember the Lord of the Sabbath is the Prince of Peace and the God of your heart. He says, come to me. You have burdens, put them on me. You have worries, entrust them to me. I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. I'll give you rest for your soul. I'll give you peace in your innermost being. But I'll also prepare you, prepare you for your mission and equip you for your role. In Ephesians chapter six, Paul says, put on the full armor of God. And he includes the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace. He uses the metaphor of shoes on your feet. In other words, the peace of God equips you to walk wherever he calls you to go, no matter how rocky, no matter how wet, no matter how steep or stony or slimy or slippery, the peace of God is what guides your feet on the path and locks your step into place, and your feet carry the peace of God wherever you tread. It is a necessary preparation. If we are going to carry the gospel message to everywhere that God has called us, we need to have the peace the preparation of peace upon us. Jesus himself in Isaiah chapter 11, when the Messiah is being described, is described as being clothed in this same kind of armor and bringing forth this same kind of peace. And he's described as a branch that brings forth fruitfulness. Isaiah 11 and John 15 can be seen together. In John 15, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. In me, you'll bear much fruit. In Isaiah 11, we're told the Messiah is a branch that bears fruit, and that fruit includes peace. And that peace is so total that it brings forth a restoration of the world, a time when the lion and the lamb lie down together, where the wolf... And the yearling are at peace. And a little child can lead them. In other words, all the things that were once at odds, all the predators that were once dangerous, now have been made safe, have been given harmony, are now at peace because of the perfect wholeness of God at work in our world. The knowledge of the Lord brings that peace to pass. And it would take the knowledge of the Lord and the mind of God to have it because like Philippians 4 says, It's peace that surpasses our understanding. It goes beyond our ability to comprehend, but not beyond our ability to receive. So Paul says, make your requests known with thanksgiving and God's peace will guard your hearts and minds. He'll give you that soundness of mind that allows you to rest when you need to rest and walk when you need to walk because his peace is guiding you. He'll give you the strength in your body and the strength in this body, his body, because we live according to the reality of a resurrection that is assured. And serenity in our soul, because we know that peace is a reward which Jesus himself has promised to his people. In Colossians 3, Paul says that peace from Christ is what guides us in the decisions that we need to make. Are you facing a crossroads? Do you have those moments where you need to make a decision about something, but it just doesn't seem clear to you exactly what it is that God wants you to do or what you should do? Maybe someone's pressuring you, a boss or a spouse or a child, and you're thinking, I need to make this decision and I need to make it now, but I'm not sure what the right thing is to do. I see various eventualities. How can I know how God is leading? The word itself says that the peace of God is a guide to you. If you're in a position where you're acting fast because you think I better act now or I might lose my opportunity, I better do it to them before they do it to me or I'm just not going to do anything because I can't make any sense of this, that's not the way of the spirit in most instances. It's more likely the way of the flesh. When we feel driven, when we feel compelled, but when we have peace, when we can take time to listen to the Lord, and wait for his peace to guide us. Then there's an inner sense that this is right. We look into the word of the Lord and the peace of the word of God begins to commune with our heart. We come to a leader or an elder or a pastor and say, I'm facing this decision. And as we talk with them, the peace of God begins to manifest in our inner being. These are ways in which God can guide you through his peace. And you can look for that peace. And you can be sure that God will not fail to give it to you because Jesus himself has promised it. He said, I'm giving you my peace. And I'm not giving it to you the way the world does. I'm giving it to you for you to keep. This is what Jesus means when he says, peace be with you after his resurrection. It's not just a greeting. It is a blessing, a blessing that brings about wholeness. In Revelation chapter 1, it's the same kind of a blessing. Grace and peace to you from him who was and is and who is to come. He doesn't change. And he promises that if you and I will wait upon him and trust in him, not only will we have his peace now, but his reward of eternal peace is coming to us. In fact, every time that Jesus was manifest on the earth, either in the incarnation or in the resurrection, and so also with the return, he says, I come with peace for those who trust in me it's the greeting of god that is the blessing of god that brings about the promise of peace i want to conclude by talking about how the promise of peace involves a recognition of hardship in genesis 15 which i mentioned at the beginning of the message and so now you know i'm getting to the end because i told you it'd be the end right God made this covenant with Abraham and it was full of good, rich promises. Listen, how God's covenant with Abraham satisfies what God has said to his people and we've been looking at it all year. Be fruitful and multiply. God promised Abraham, you'll have a son, your own flesh and blood and that son will produce manifold heirs, countless offspring and you will have a land flowing with milk and honey, a fruitful land of promise promised to you. But in the midst of this, God says to Abraham, "Make no mistake, don't have any doubt about it. Your descendants will spend 400 years enslaved in Egypt." And it is accompanied by a dark and disturbing dream. But the Lord follows that by saying, "Be at peace. You will have peace to the end of your days and your descendants Will have peace because I promised it. Similarly, when Mary and Joseph take baby Jesus to the temple immediately following his birth to dedicate him, Simeon, who recognizes by the Holy Spirit that this is the Messiah, says, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel. And he says to Mary, A sword will pierce your heart. The sword of God's word to her in that moment must have brought confusion and pain. The Lord, when he gives peace to us and the promise of peace, does not say you'll never go through hardship. He does not say you won't have any trials. What he does say is, in the midst of your trials, I will be with you and my peace will be yours. He only allows those trials which bring about the fruitfulness that the Prince of Peace has said was needed in our lives. Isaiah 9 says that there is no end to the increase of Jesus' government of peace. That means Jesus establishes a kingdom of peace in our lives and in this world that never stops bearing fruit and never stops multiplying. Hallelujah. I don't even know what that looks like. You and I can hardly imagine. But one thing we can say is Revelation 21 describes for us such a kingdom. When the dwelling place of God is with his own people, he wipes away tears from our eyes. He takes away death and mourning. He removes crying and pain. In fact, all that old order of things passes away. And the peace of God, remains. And you and I, if we are his children, we remain in him. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord God. Thank you for your peace. Lord, we invite your peace in our midst today, even though we know that with your peace may come a sword, the sword of your word that says, If you want to know my peace, you have to let me press into that place that you've held back. If you want my peace, you have to accept my grace and allow my life to be manifest in you. If you want my peace, says the Lord, You can't just give me a piece of yourself because my peace is wholeness. I want all of you so that you can experience all of me. Lord, our lives often are fragmented, broken. Pieces missing, pieces turned upside down. The frantic search for what we lack the fevered fear of what we've lost. The frightened worry about what you want. But right now, Lord, we, we sense your peace. And we just turn it all over to you. We say, make sense of it, Lord. Put us together right. We, we let go of the pieces. We put them into your hand. We we let go of the demand that you have to make our lives look the way we think they're supposed to look, that you have to make our church look the way we think it's supposed to look, that, that, that you're supposed to do things according to our timeline and our agenda. No, Lord, we want to be shaped according to yours. Give us, Lord, your mind and your peace. And friend... If you're out there and you think, I'm not sure I'm at peace with God. I've got a grievance against him. I've got a beef. I'm upset with him. Or maybe you're thinking, he's upset with me and I'm afraid to face him or I don't even think he wants me. You know, all of that may be true, but I'm here authorized by him to say peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ. The Lord who loves you is saying, no matter what you think divides us, I am here to bring us together and to make you whole. I want to welcome you in peace. And I want to put you together whole. You can say yes to that. And if you will, just say it to him then. Say yes. And even right now, the Holy Spirit comes and does an inner work within you, putting you together together. Healing, deliverance. For those who have walked with the Lord but have been feeling emptied or broken or scattered, right now there's a sense of being bound up, being put together, being made whole. There's a sense that the Lord's filling you up. There's an anointing that's coming and healing wounds and bringing softness to dry places, bringing relief to weary places, bringing light to dark places. There's hope. Hope just infusing into you. You think, I don't even know why I feel hope. It's the Lord. You don't need to know why. It's just Him. It's His presence. It's His way. He's giving you hope. He's giving you optimism. He's renewing your vitality. He's saying to you, even though you sin, I forgive you, and your sin will not separate you from me as you come under the blood of Jesus Christ. Let holiness fill you to overflowing right now and the peace of the Lord makes you fruitful in his peace by his grace in his name Amen